0: Welcome to Inside the Path to Success Podcast, brought to you by Opulus, where you go behind the scenes with financial planners Ryan Greiser and Fran Walsh to hear stories about how leading entrepreneurs, millennials, professional athletes, and coaches navigate the natural challenges that arise on the path to success and how to advance to the next level. And now, here are your hosts from Opulus,
1: Ryan Greiser and Fran Walsh. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Path to Success podcast. Uh, some kind of unfortunate news happened this past weekend relating to Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, some very unfortunate. Yeah, some very large banking concerns. Um, and obviously the government had stepped in and what we're going to do today is basically cover exactly what happened, what do you need to know, and obviously our general thoughts on uh, the issue overall and moving forward. Uh, how you can you know prepare and protect yourself.
0: Yeah, we'll say this out the gate. We are not um, risk management experts, yep. banking experts, or FDIC experts. This is really, um, as we see the situation, what we know about it so far as of uh, March 14th yep. here yesterday. So, so what happened, we'll start with Silicon Valley Bank to keep it simple, is people deposit money at a bank, The bank does not keep all of that money (laughs) within themselves. They lend that money out to other institutions. They buy short-term treasury bills or bonds. But we deposit money in the bank. The bank then gives that money to somebody else to earn interest. As depositors, we get a small portion of that interest Back. And the only reason we deposit money in the bank is we believe that it is safe and it is secure, uh, specifically with FDIC insurance, which Fran's going to talk about here in a minute. Now, what happened in the case of Silicon Valley Bank is the money that they invested on behalf of the bank to benefit the depositors and the corporation ultimately lost a ton of value because of the rising interest rates. It's really as simple as that. People deposit money at the bank, the bank made investments. Those investments did not go good. They lost value. People found out that those investments had lost value. Work got out on the street and everyone had a run on the bank. In other words, a lot of people came and wanted to take their money out. Well, when a lot of people wanted to take their money out all at the same time, inflows didn't match the outflows. The bank essentially did not have the cash on hand to fulfill those deposits. And when that happened, FDIC insurance stepped in, took over the bank, and then Fran, you can kind of talk about what happened. But but that's why they collapsed, right? They made poor investments. They didn't have enough money to pay back their depositors. The bank failed. The government stepped in.
1: Yep. And, you know, and obviously the major concern here is, hey, if this is happening at one small bank where else, yeah, it's probably happening at many others. Right. Which is, you know, where the big scare was and where this popped around in the news is that they were scared of a quote unquote contagion effect where, hey, once this first bank goes down, is this going to be widespread is going to take out. 50, 100, 1000 banks. Yeah. And that's where luckily the the government did step in yeah. when they did to try to alleviate <laughs> some of those concerns. Uh but yeah. Before yeah. we get into that, let's just talk about what is FDIC insurance. So basically it is the Federal Deposit uh Insurance uh program that if you put to anything above $250,000 into an account only that first $250,000 is covered under this federal insurance program. Yeah. Where has that become a concern for people? As some people just learned this past week, hey, if you got a couple million sitting in the bank, only 250 grand of that is quote unquote guaranteed. Or like Roku, um, a couple bill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Only that 250 grand is guaranteed. But, you know, where does a problem kind of arise in this that we kind of just learned from this past week is, Hey, if you have, you know, let's just say for sake of round numbers, you have two and a half million dollars. If you open up ten bank accounts with two hundred fifty grand in each of them, you're good. Yeah, you're 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 insured at different
0: institutions.
1: Yep. Right. But if you open one account with two point five million, you're not insured, right? So that's where it kind of becomes an issue because it, logistically, right, when you're thinking about like. What is a pro- major problem here? Let's just say I run a small to mid-sized business and I need $2 million in cash at all times to pay my payroll, my expenses, all this kind of stuff. Realistically, I want that to be in one bank account because mm-hmm. simplistically, it's much easier for me to have everything paid out of one of account or I can make my life 10 times more complex, have different accounts, pay different expenses, different payrolls, all this kind of stuff just to make sure my money's insured it just doesn't really make a lot of sense now obviously you can go outside of that you can buy your own you know private insurance yeah. on your on your money but you know it doesn't make a lot of sense when you're like hey I could get it for free this way or I could pay a lot of because insurance is expensive
0: it is. So, and, and up until this point right until 2008 no banks have re- no major banks no regional banks have really failed yeah so it's not a major concern if you do your diligence on the front end even if you're not at the insured all everyone was like ah you know yeah, it's not insured but yeah, you how know, do banks fail?
1: Yep. Well, they don't until they do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, realistically, no one ever knows. Like, does can anyone name off the top of their head? Like, where where the bank is is lending their money, or what kind of investments are they making? Like, you just you know, you assume they're just basically getting something guaranteed five six percent. They pay you. You're you're pretty much nothing on your on your checking and savings accounts, and you just you just assume everything's going to yep. be fine. And this is kind of the first time at least in, in my memory, of there being a real spotlight on, hey, some of these banks are taking some huge gambles, which, you know, given now that the government has stepped in and said, hey, we're going to insure deposits, I don't know what the official number was. I think they might have said like up to like $25 billion or something is what they're saying for now until they come out with like an official official stance. What I heard, they have $100 billion in an FDIC insurance fund that yeah. they can tap into that the banks have paid into. So, But the real concern with that now is, hey, if the government makes that stance that, hey, we are going to insure deposits, what is stopping the banks from being like, okay, we're basically in a win-win situation? Either our gambles do well, Mm -hmm. we make a lot of money, we get a huge bonus check, or, hey- we fail. Government's gonna step. We might lose our job, but government's gonna step in and you know save the day. And then I'll just have to get a job somewhere else. It's kind of creating a a very you know dicey situation where there's quickly gonna have to become some sort of regulation. Up, yeah, hundred like, percent. And that's gonna have to come quick yeah. because right now, like you know, I'm not seeing any <laughs> situation that's stopping this from continuing yeah. to happen on a you know larger scale.
0: Yeah, and and when this all unfolded really quickly, and keep in mind, like, Silicon Valley Bank isn't like this new venture bank like they've yep. been around for i think like 50 years yep. and we're a huge institution and within 48 hours everything unfolded and right i think they were the number 16 bank in the world 13 or something. 16 something yeah. like that right um but we sent an email to our clients on i think sunday around yep. four o'clock say here's what's going on here's what you need to know um you know about everything and in an email he we said well FDIC insurance will cover each deposit up to two hundred and fifty. If you have more than that, you might be out of luck, I think is the exact words that yeah. I used. Well, that to your point, Fran, like, that would have been the case unless the government changed that stance. Mm-hmm. And since they have opened up the door to that and regulators opened that up, there has to be more regulation on the back end For now. Sure there otherwise it's just going to be hey we could take a risk yeah the executives might lose their job the investors might go under but
1: hey if it turns on the upside we could be pretty good yeah if i'm getting a hundred grand bonus check if it pays off you know people people are going to take that risk all day oh an executive gets fired or i get a bonus cool
0: yeah so um it one it, it's the investors that had stock at silicon valley bank are out of luck Yep. The the people who had bonds in Silicon Valley Bank directly are out of luck. The depositors are gonna be made whole. So so we don't take make light of it at all that people lost their jobs, lost their money, lost their investments. Good news depositors are gonna be whole. You know, but this just opened up the door now to to more regulation coming down to protect depositors and to make sure the banking system doesn't fail.
1: Yeah, and at, at the end of the day, you know, why do people <laughs> why do people use a bank? Obviously they want a safe Place for their money. They want somewhere where they can trust that, hey, if they put their money in there, there is a quote unquote guarantee that it will still be there, whether they want to take it out in a week, a month, a year, two years, five years, whatever the case may be. So, you know, when we think about what are some other, um, you know, safe quote-unquote options that people could take a look at for that cash that they may not need right now or for the next three months, six months, a year? What are some things that they can take a look at? So what can we really learn
0: from this, right? Where could we put our money? So first things is just one, make sure all your deposits are FDIC insured, right? At today it's 250. This regulation may evolve over time. We'll see where it goes. But the first thing you do is make sure your deposits are fully insured, FDIC insurance. The second thing you should do is consider other avenues that you could put your money in. And right now is you can put your money into CD. Same thing. You need FDIC insurance. But as of today, some institutional CDs are paying four, four and a half, five percent Interest at various banks. So you could stack CDs up to two hundred and fifty at various banks on the institutional side. Retail going direct online or clients. It's less. We don't really play in that space much, but we do on the institutional side. I mean, the other thing is you can take a look at U.S. Treasuries. Yep. So you can buy bonds directly from the government, and as of today, on March fourteenth, earn four, four and a half, upwards of a little less than five percent on these, where you lend the money, gov you lend the government money, and they guarantee to pay you back what you put in plus interest along the way if you hold that asset to maturity. So at the end of the day, we're saying, hey, do three things. Make sure at your bank you don't have more than 250. If you want to take a look outside your bank, great. Consider some institutional CDs if you have access to them. And also take a look at U.S. Treasuries as well if you want to diversify your risk and not have everything just at one Bank, it's a smart move. Everything has pros and cons, so do your own research, consult with your advisor, you know, on this, and make sure that what you're doing is right for you. But those are the three areas that we're taking a look at um, for my own cash, right? Of what I've done in the past and
1: currently doing, and what we're we're talking and having conversations around as well. Yeah, and you know, obviously, like those things you said are traditionally risk off assets obviously there's risk involved with everything but, yeah. you know, traditionally those are when when times are scary and people want a safe haven those yep. are typically the kinds of items that they flock yeah. to and if all else fails if the government fails we all know that our, our buddy jerome pal and and the u.s government will just print more money so yeah, we'll all right. be good anyway yeah. <laughs> and it's
0: important to note that silicon valley bank what got them in trouble is purchasing u.s treasuries actually so this is an, an interesting dynamic that's really important is uh the u.s Silicon Valley Bank bought US Treasuries a year, two, three years ago with all this venture capital money that was coming in during the COVID boom, but they bought them long-term treasuries at like a one, one and a half, two percent rate. What happens? Interest rates are rising. Right. So now because T-Bills and these new issues are at four, four and a half, five percent that they're they're earning now, the value of Silicon Valley's treasuries dropped dramatically. But they would have been fine if they could have held on to to that, right? So if inflows kept up, this wouldn't have been an issue. But the problem is inflows to Silicon Valley Bank didn't happen. So they had to sell the treasuries at a loss because they couldn't hold them to maturity to get their principal back, to get the interest along the way. So I just want to make that clear distinction because that came up in a conversation, well... Didn't US Treasuries cause the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank? Why are we considering putting money into them? Well, in your own personal situation, you can make your own decision about when you liquidate them and when you hold on to them. So, having that time horizon and have that dialed in is critical, whether it's three months, six months, nine months, or a year. Silicon Valley Bank didn't have that luxury of making decisions based upon what they wanted to do, they were forced. To liquidate assets at a loss because they had to cover the spreads to make money access to the depositors. So um, it's Gary, one of our clients said, Hey, is my money at the bank okay? Uh, like, well, if everyone takes all their money out of the bank all at the same time across every branch, across every institution ever, like we're all screwed. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right. The banking system will collapse if that happens. But that's why Biden and the regulators were so um, stepped up their game so much about like, hey, like we're going to cover everybody, right? The FDIC rules and guidelines don't call for this, but we're going to bail out depositors, not equity holders, not executives, not bondholders like they did in 2008. And it's not coming from tax taxpayer dollars, but we are gonna bail out the depositors and say, hey, if you had more than 250, you're good. And I think there's some caveats to that for corporations, this, that, and the other thing. So, um, but, but that's the general thesis, because they did not want this contagion effect where people go to every bank and cash out all of their money. But what we're seeing some issues across the banking sector is mostly... Um, institutions. Uh, First Republic was kind of like number three on the list after uh, Silicon Valley, after Signature Bank. First Republic was looking like they might have been next. Um, that's calmed down as of today, so it doesn't look like it. But it's because they mostly work with high um, net worth individuals, and 70% of their bank deposits are uninsured. Yep. Or in other words, 70% of their deposits have over 250 k in deposits, so they're not insured. People were concerned about that, so there was a mini-run on it or thoughts of a mini run, uh, so you know it looks like everything's going to be okay as of today. Who really knows? But but that's kind of what uh, what's going on. So it's just wild, man. Yeah, you know, like who who would have thought? I mean, we've dealt with COVID, Russia, Ukraine. Interest rates rising through the roof. Like it's just been a crazy three, four years of uh, just kind of random, you know, crises or mini crises that are that are happening.
1: Yeah, and I think like basically the overall lesson here is that you need to be your own best friend when it comes 100%. to risk management. Understand your risk tolerance. Understand where your money is. Know the, the rules. Actual risks. The actual, you know, the actual safety involved in that. So that, hey, if something does happen, make sure you were aware, hey, when I did this, I fully understood, like, this is what I was getting. Here's the potential risk I took so that there's no, you know, bombs going off in your head thinking, well, how could this happen? Because, you know, as we're learning, like you talk about, last three, four years, there's been a ton of different crises. Anything can happen. Learn your lessons. Yep. Learn your lessons. Take care of yourself. Take care of your money. Be safe. Be vigilant. And always understand understand your risk tolerance that's it with that hope you guys have a great week See
0: if you want even more insights on the path to success follow ryan and fran at Opulus llc on instagram and facebook or check us out on the web at www.opulus.us lastly the content of this podcast is not to be viewed as personal investment legal or tax advice you should always consult with a professional advisor before implementing any topics discussed